Money Show. Small business. To London this evening and to Pavlo Fatidis, who's on his global world tour. Global world tour. He's on a world tour. Um, <laughs> you're talking about building a transactable <laughs> business versus building a strategically transactable business. Before we go and get our transactables crossed here, Pavlo, what is a transactable business? And then what's the difference of a strategically transactable business? Look, a, a transactable business, Bruce, is no different to the way you would look at any asset. So transactable suggests that you have the opportunity to, of a day, exit the business for profit, hopefully. Much in the same way that you would look at any share on the stock exchange, there are three criteria that need to be in place. The first is that the share needs to offer income growth. So you typically look at a share and say, does it yield dividends? Those dividends become my income. In a business, you're saying, can I build a business that will generate a salary? But more importantly, will it be able to generate consistent dividends? The second element of a transactable asset is capital growth. You buy the share for 100 Rand, and you're hoping three, five years from now, you can sell it for 150 Rand or 200 Rand. And that's your capital gain. And that indicates that the share has value after you have sold it for someone else who believes that they should pay a premium over and above what you paid for the share. And the third factor of a transactable business, which you also find in a share, is that that capital gain, the capital value, the ability to sustain the business is indicated by the investor reviewing the leadership in the business, reviewing the business's strategy, and being certain and sure that without the current CEO there, should that CEO leave or exit, the business will continue to exist into the future. So you're looking at three things, income growth, you're looking at capital value and capital growth. And from our perspective in the world of business ownership, a business that will continue to generate that in the future, but without you there. That is the most important thing, that ability to be able to extricate yourself from a business or at least from uh, being perceived to be the business. And that is, of course, the strategic, strategically transactable. We need a, a shorter word than that, Pavlo. The small business feature, of course, brought to you by Smart Security, powered by Vodacom Business. Start strong, start smart with Smart Security Solutions for SMEs, Vodacom Business, further together. So, Pablo, um, as we, we, we sort of go and, and, and make our choices as to how we're going to create our job versus create our business, um, how, how do we go about thinking about it? So, look, it, the reality is this, Bruce, and I'm involved in such an interesting situation at the moment because it's not a happy situation. It's about a business that a couple of years ago came up with the idea to support SME lending. They invested two rounds of capital, extensive rounds of capital to build this underlying processing engine that sits in the cloud and is now made available across a number of the banking institutions across the UK and Europe. They led the market until a few years ago. Well, when I say a few years ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago, because in leading the market, they created the market. And the market they created is, hey, banks, we can run processing requirements with technology far more efficiently than you can using people and your traditional means and ways 
of supporting SME lending. So they created this market and very quickly competitors came into the market. The competitors knocked on the doors of the banks and said, hey, we can do it too. And the banks turned around and said, well, if you can do what I already have, why should I switch? So competitors went back to the drawing board and started to invest in really clever technologies, artificial intelligence technologies with machine learning algorithms to make the process smarter than this current business can offer. And what's important over here, Bruce, is for them to now regain their market leadership position. They've got to raise more funding. They've got to invest in cleverer technology. And through that process, if they don't, their value depreciates and the likelihood of a very successful business selling is low. If they do, which they have to, they then further dilute their investment and their own shareholding in the business itself. Any business to remain ahead has to continue investing. And for that reason, the, the intention to build a saleable entity is vital because that secures your asset. Mm. Five very things few, needed, Bruce. Five things. I mean, before we get there, there's just very few things more depressing than watching a business die. Like somebody is standing, has gone into ICU and is sort of gone to make a little prayer next to the patient who's lying in the ICU bed and they're standing on the oxygen pipe and this person is slowly being starved of oxygen. And then one gets that feeling and you know when a business is dying. The phone's not ringing as much. You're not getting, customers aren't coming to you anymore. You're not, you know, you're not putting out into the world what you were when you were thriving and expanding. So how do we avoid that sort of slow bleed death of a business with these five things, Pablo? Well, you know, we spoke about this, I think, a couple of years ago, the, the, the three things that mostly kill a business. And you've already pointed to them. The first is comfort. In other words, we've got traction. We're in the marketplace. We're getting deals done. I'm comfortable with that. The second is complacency, where... You take the foot off the accelerator where you become less demanding around how the business functions and operates, where you become less critical about your own performance, where increasingly you become less confrontational, which is the third element, because confrontation is important. You know, calling up one of your team members for lower than expected performance is uncomfortable, especially when you have good relationships with your team. Engaging with a customer who's grumpy and miserable is uncomfortable. It, it's confrontational. It's not pleasant. When you start losing those edges, Bruce, then know, then know that perhaps you're going to be in the game too long. And if you're in the game too long, with complacency, comfort, and conflict avoidance, it's likely a good time to get out. But you will not get out if you don't have five levers in place. The first is, what makes you different? In our world, in the world of SME, there are thousands of competitors. They all have good products. They all have reasonably good pricing. They all make the same promise of service. Unless you can show distinctly what makes you different to them, you're going to be on the back foot. If you can solve that, the next thing they ask is, well, how does it all work? And Bruce, if you can't show that the business runs on the back of systems and processes and procedures that I, in buying your business, will be able to take over and ensure that business will continue in the future. You're on the back foot. 
if you can't show the third lever, which is a team of people who run and operate those systems that will remain on after you exit, when you sell the business, you're on the back foot. The fourth lever is you have to be growing because anyone buying the business is going to say, well, if I buy the business today, I can expect it tomorrow to grow at the same pace that it grew yesterday. You can't not grow a business and say, well, you know, Bruce, the business is full of potential and the future looks bright. <laughs> I'm sitting looking at you saying, well, <laughs> why haven't you capitalized on it? Why haven't you made it happen? I don't believe a word you're saying. I don't buy that story. And then obviously the fifth lever is that you need to demonstrate that you being there is not needed. That gets you into the game, but it doesn't get you a strategic exit, one that can double the value that you can already earn on the back of that business. For that, we need something extra special. One of the best questions, and I think that everybody should ask this of themselves, is who, and if I asked it to you, Pablo, um, who does somebody complain to if Pablo is not available? Um, to which the winning answer, by the way, is there's never a problem, nobody ever complains, but that can't be true in any business. Um, and I think it's the first test of testing whether or not you are the business or whether you're an indispensable feature of that business, because if people can only complain to Pavlo about service or can only comment to Pavlo about service or can only deal with Pavlo about service in the business, well, then you know that you're not got a saleable asset. You know that you're sitting in a job that sustains you and that's lovely, uh, but there is going to be this sort of slow puncture of death in this enterprise over time as you become less and less keen to invest in it because... Uh, you're never going to get your money out of it. And so, therefore, you almost exacerbate the situation um, and, and speed up the business's demise, ultimately. You know, it, it, it creates such an interesting conundrum because I, I fundamentally believe, you know, it's no different to the franchising model, Bruce, where typically to start a franchise, you need to build a business, you need to be doing something that is repeatable, and then you're going to sell the black box of magic formula that allows someone else to invest in a franchise and do what you've done successfully, but on the back of everything that you've offered them. And very often what you see in that process is the franchisee, the initial business, becomes the franchisor and steps away from the operational activities, exactly what you've just spoken to. And in doing so, as you move further and further and further away from the coalface, so too do you lose more and more and more real touch with customers and what customers are wanting and how customers are behaving. And I've always argued that I think it's really important that irrespective as to who you are in your business, as it grows and you move up to the second floor, to the third floor, to the fifth floor and so on, you should always, always maintain two, three trusted relationships with customers, preferably the most grumpy, demanding aggressive customers that you have in your portfolio of clients and have a coffee session with them from time to time because those individuals classically don't hold back their punches will tell you like it is they are constantly looking to switch you out for a cheaper better faster service and from that perspective if you can maintain those relationships bruce 
whilst you have your team delivering and distributing the value of your business across your customer base, you'll always have, let's call it one eye, maybe two or three eyes on the cold face. It is one of the most valuable things you can maintain as you get bigger and better at doing what you do. Pavlo Fatidis from Auric Business Accelerator in London.